0: Malta was once a hidden gem in the Mediterranean. But now it's being discovered more and more by North Americans. And that means it's diverse and offers something for everyone. You can scuba dive to explore sunken ships, eat traditional Maltese foods like pastizzi, a flaky pastry filled with ricotta cheese, visit one of three UNESCO World Heritage sites, and so much more. Plus, Malta gets more than 300 days of sunshine, so it's a year-round destination. Get inspired and plan your trip today at visitmalta.com. Are you looking for an off-the-beaten-path island destination in the Mediterranean? I highly recommend Malta, an archipelago with 8,000 years of history. It's home to three UNESCO World Heritage sites, including Valletta, Malta's capital. Malta also has the oldest freestanding stone architecture in the world, showcasing one of the British Empire's most formidable defense systems. If you travel for history, Malta has an impressive mix of domestic, religious, and military structures from the ancient, medieval, and early modern periods. It's also rich in culture. You'll find events and festivals all year round, plus beautiful beaches, a thriving nightlife, and a trendy gastronomical scene with seven Michelin-starred restaurants. Plan your trip today at visitmalta.com. Hi, and welcome to Travel Tales, a podcast from Abar Media. I'm your host, Senior Editor Aislinn Green. And for the past six years, I've had the pleasure of working with some of the most creative and interesting people in the world—comedians, philosophers, novelists, They've all shared their stories with bars readers about getting out into the world and just reveling in it. And now, each week on Travel Tales, we'll hear from some of our favorite contributors about a trip that changed their life. In this episode, we go back in time with Heather Greenwood Davis. Heather is a contributing writer at National Geographic, an award-winning travel writer, and an on-air personality based in Toronto, Canada. She's built a career on personal stories that often involve her two children, who frequently travel with Heather and her husband. Years ago, on her first big assignment as a young reporter, Heather followed a group of Black teenagers to the West African nation of Ghana. She was so focused on their story, she missed her own opportunity to connect with the country on a deeper level. Let's listen as she shares this experience and her regret.
1: I can take you to your people. I'm standing in a sparsely treed courtyard in Ghana, Africa, when her voice reaches my ears. When I turn to look, my eyes lock with a slight woman dressed in a traditional West African print. She's reaching for my arm and suggesting I go with her. The moment is etched in my memory Even though our meeting was almost 25 years ago, even though I can't remember the name of the village we were standing in or the precise timeline of my journey there, still, I can see her clearly and hear the English, thick with accent, she directed at me, imploring me to follow her into the potential of a lineage I know nothing about. And just as clearly... I can feel the fear that rose in me as I made the decision to decline. At the time, the decision felt responsible. I was being the professional I had come here to be. I needed to separate myself from the story. I needed to be a real journalist. Months earlier, I had convinced my editors at the Toronto Star newspaper that I, one of the youngest reporters in the newsroom, should be sent to follow a group of Black teenagers from a socioeconomically disadvantaged area of the city to Africa. There had been an essay contest, and the prize was a trip to Ghana for the lucky winners to connect with their ancestral roots. I reported the story of the contest winners and promptly pitched myself as the best reporter to accompany the group of teens and document their experience firsthand. It worked. And soon I was prepping and planning, taking the necessary vaccinations, filling out the paperwork, and boarding the plane alongside the group. Ghana was the first country I ever visited in Africa, and I brought with me many of the colonizers' ideas about what I'd meet there. But the wild animals and tribal dangers that peppered popular books... And movies weren't a part of the Africa I found. From the moment I arrived it was as if my entire body was buzzing with a new energy, a nervous excitement. That low hum continued within me throughout the trip, rising and falling with each new encounter and experience. I fell hard for the beauty of bold clothing patterns that defied Western fashion rules with their no stripes with polka dots type edicts, and instead marveled at the creative combinations of shapes and patterns that emblazoned dresses and head wraps, resulting in stunning fashion statements. I was taken aback by the intensity of competing smells, wood burning in the distance, The funk that comes from a gathering of a lot of people in a small space without the benefit of anything stronger than an electric fan to stir the air. The fragrant, smoky mix of incense rising out of windows and salt water blowing in from the shores. Even the way the dust settled between the gaps in my sandals, leaving me literally coated in the country each night, felt prophetic. This was a place that would stay with me long after I'd left it. I can take you to your people. It wasn't the first time I had heard this invitation offered. Throughout our trip, a similar encouragement had been uttered to others in the group. Most recently, it had happened to one of the chaperones, a black man from Toronto, traveling with us. When the chaperone had explained that he didn't have time now to go to another village, that he had to stay with the group, they had insisted he only needed to turn the corner. Expecting nothing, he agreed, and our group as well as the onlooking locals followed him for the few steps it took. Minutes later, there was a collective catching of breath. It was like he was looking in a mirror an almost exact replica of himself in African form. I was 24 on that trip to Ghana, and yet somehow naive enough to think that I, as a Black woman, could come to the continent, to the very heart of the Atlantic slave trade, and not connect with the people here on a visceral level. From the moment I got on the plane, I felt the conflict, between my personal experience and professional responsibility. I had been entrusted with a story that many of my older, more senior colleagues would have killed for. I had to prove that sending me was the right thing to do. I made notes dutifully in my spiral-bound notebook, determined to record as many of the details of my time there as possible. And I was deep in that scribbling when the touch to my arm and the offer to embrace an unknown brought me spiraling back to the present. My voice caught in my throat. It was my turn. I, too could take a hand and wander through a laneway and perhaps meet myself or some reasonable facsimile on the streets of this wondrous land. For a moment, I wondered at it. What if I went? Who would I meet? What adventure might unfold? But it only lasted a moment. I was shaking my head no long before the words came out of my mouth. I couldn't risk it. I was on my first international assignment, not some personal quest. The arm retracted, but the woman continued to stare at me for quite some time. It haunts me still. That sliding door opportunity when perhaps, had I let myself go, I might have uncovered many of the things about myself that took me years to figure out, including the fact that the most powerful stories I can tell are personal that personal stories are universal stories, and that we connect most when we share them. But I knew none of that then. When I returned home, I fulfilled my obligations. I wrote and turned in my Just the Facts article for the paper. In it, I spoke about the kids who had been transformed by their travels, how some had kissed the ground when we arrived, how others had been consumed by joy at every meeting and how each and every one had shed tears when it was time to leave. The story was praised, but my managing editor noted that I hadn't mentioned my own experience. Had it affected me to visit this place? To see the horrors of slave dungeons up close? To watch the pageantry and pride of local gatherings and celebrations? He invited me to write that story, and I did and the tears flowed. All of my emotions spilled on the page as I tried to express how connected I'd felt to the land, how the people had welcomed me without reservation. But I kept some of my regrets to myself, including the fact that this incredible personal experience had been cut short by my own misguided ideas about what it meant to be a professional almost 25 years have gone by since that trip. In that time, I've grown up a little. I've built a career as a travel writer, and it is not lost on me that much of that career has been focused on sharing my first-hand experiences with readers and viewers around the world. I'm a mother now, and my husband and two sons joined me in 2011 on a year-long trip around the world that was focused almost entirely on immersing ourselves in the places we visited and sharing the experience as we went. We emerged as National Geographic Travelers, Travelers of the Year for 2012, after stopping in 29 countries on six continents. Unlike that first trip to Africa, There was no hemming or hawing at whether the stories during my year away were important. I knew in my gut that they would resonate, that they were universal in spirit, even when they were personal in the moment. The lesson of my trip to Ghana is forever entrenched in who I am as a journalist. I've returned to Africa many times. I've had opportunities to share how it felt to be surrounded by a culture and people so familiar to my own Jamaican heritage. In Kenya, in Rwanda, in Tanzania, in South Africa, and in Namibia, I've been called sister by people who swear I must know the native language or are surprised when I haven't tasted some local food before because I, quote, look just like their people, unquote. Africa has welcomed me time and time again. But I have yet to return to Ghana. The call to return is almost deafening. In 2019, it was literal. The country sent out an invitation to Westerners to come home, to recognize the poignant moment marking 400 years since the first slave ships had set out for North America. The bodies of their ancestors stacked, naked and vulnerable, in their cargo holds, as part of the lucrative Atlantic slave trade. Some of those enslaved Africans had ended up in the West Indies, in my parents' homeland of Jamaica. It's not lost on me that there is likely a direct link from the ports of Ghana to my parents, myself my two sons. I didn't answer the call last year, but when the pandemic is over, I will. The moments we miss aren't always available for us to catch again, but sometimes time and fortune collide and an opportunity circles back. I won't be as foolish when it returns. Grasping the outstretched hand of a stranger will be even more poignant when all of this is behind us. And when it's offered, I'll be quick to take it.
0: That was Heather Greenwood Davis. She's been enjoying all this time with her two kids who will head off to university soon. It's the silver lining of the last year at home, she says. She's also hoping to reconnect with the group of teens and chaperones she traveled with back in 1997. I'd love to do a 25-year reunion in 2022, she says. If you want to see archival videos of the trip, check out our show notes. There, you'll also find a link to Heather's website, globetrottingmama.com. Ready for more travel stories? Visit us online at afar.com slash traveltales. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Afar Media. If you enjoyed today's adventure, we hope you'll come back next week for more great stories. Subscribing makes this easy. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And please be sure to rate and review us. It helps other travelers find the show. This has been Travel Tales, a production of Afar Media and Boom Integrated. Our podcast was produced by Aislinn Green, Adrian Glover, and Robin Lai. Post production was by John Marshall Media staff Jen Grossman and Clint Rhodes. Music composition by Alan Koresha. And a special thanks to Laura Redmond, Sarah Storm, and Irene Wang. I am Aislinn Green, your zoomed-out, under-traveled host. I can't wait to hit the road again. Until we all freely can, remember that travel begins the moment we walk out our front door. Everyone has a travel tale. What's yours?